Swamiji, you have created many communities in this world, in Europe, in America, in India. Yes, names of them. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of them? Well, I started at the age of 15. <laughs> I think it's probably something I was sort of born to do, because uh, this was during the Second World War, and it seemed to me that people would go on fighting and there would continue to be destruction and hatred and everything. I thought if a, if a group of people can separate themselves from society and develop the ideal community, they can serve as an example to other people that it is possible to live in harmony and peace. And I was really very, very desirous of starting such a community. And I, because I'm enthusiastic by nature, I got many of my friends eager to do it too, until I found I was serious, then they all fell off. But when I met Yogananda, I found that this was his ideal too. And he said that this idea would spread like wildfire someday. People are not ready for it yet, but a few people are ready. They're ready to see the example of uh, living together. I've written a movie script on this, and it starts with Zuccotti Park on Wall Street with everybody protesting big government and big business and big solutions. And, and uh, uh, Juliet, who is the journalist, examining or reporting on this, this uh, protest in Zuccotti Park, is told about a community back east, back west, in California, and uh, she comes to Ananda and learns about it. It's offered as an, uh, f uh, sort of an example of a way to drop out of the dependence upon big business. We are coming to the point now where money will not be worth the paper it's printed on. I've talked about this before, but it's certainly, we're coming to a very serious time in, in world history. If, if, if America goes under, the whole world will go under because everything is pegged to the dollar. But the European currency is going down. In India, their, their uh, rupee is being devalued constantly. Why? You cannot support a big government such as Franklin Delano Roosevelt began in the 1930s to spend us out of, um, out of the uh, depression that people were in. You can't do it just with taxes. People would rebel. And so how do you get that kind of money? You print it. And the more money you print, the less value that money has. And so gradually, not only that, but government somehow votes itself more money so that not only do more and more people work for the government, right now 16% of the workforce in America works for the government. And because most of those people are married, 32% are behind big government and all the things that it doles out. Now their, their wages... A few years ago, only one person in the transportation department received a salary of a, a hundred and seventy thousand. Now it's hundreds, thousands. I think it's two thousand. I said the other day ten thousand. I don't know what the figures are exactly, but.
but they're horrendous. And a, a while ago, only a few people uh, were employed in a department. Now it's many thousands. As this keeps on proliferating, Parkinson's law comes into effect. Everybody wants a helper, and because that helper he doesn't want as a rival to his position, he gets two helpers. And so it keeps on mushrooming. They talk against communism, but we've got communism today in America in the sense that virtually the whole country is run by the government. We need to drop out of that system. We need to create an alternative system. And small communities are the best way of doing that. Small communities, I, I began, I, I, ha I didn't have any wealthy donors, so I had to earn the money myself. And I gave yoga classes and um, I wanted my classes to be a service, therefore I didn't charge much, and if people didn't, couldn't pay, I let them come anyway. Nonetheless, with a lot of hard work, I did finally get the money together to buy land and get the first housing up and attract people, and it was very difficult in the beginning because everybody wanted it to be this way or this way or this way. I wanted it to, to be a community doing uh, of disciples of Yogananda and I wanted to be a model for everybody but I felt there has to be a focus for a community for any community and uh, without spirituality I think it'll be much harder for a community to exist so the first years I don't think many people would be uh, able to or even interested in starting a community. But once that is done, I've always, I always used to say, once we get a pattern, then it will be easier for other communities to start. And it's been true. We've started the first community near Nevada City, California. Now we have others in many other places, including Italy and India. And uh, this, they haven't had such a hard time as we had in the beginning, because the pattern is there. Mm -hmm. And people can say, uh, when they come, they can say, this is what we have, this is what we do, take it or leave it. And people leave it or take it. <laughs> so I think that in the future, any future communities that are started on this pattern, they don't have to follow our ideals, but basic things they do need. Delegation of authority giving everybody an opportunity to rise, giving everybody equal opportunity, giving men and women equal opportunity, not favoring one or the other. Um, these things are essential. Swamiji, how did you structure the original community, and how did you decide to structure it that way? The structure is much less important than the spirit. I haven't really paid much attention to structure. The reason for that is that when I was in SRF, I, that was the monastery I was in for many years, 14 years, and uh, I was in charge of the center department, in charge of all the centers in the world. And quite naturally, I tried to create a system of rules that would enable a, a center to continue even if the center leader died or moved away or whatever. 
I finally had to admit failure. The spirit of a center I discovered depended always on the spirit of the leadership. So in starting Ananda, I concentrated on developing the right kind of leadership. Leaders who delegate authority, who don't try to do it all themselves. Leaders who think in terms of what other people can do and help other people to uh, flourish in what they are doing. Um, there are many, many things that you have to sort of like flying by the seat of your pants. Mm -hmm. You have to get the feeling for it. But the most important thing is leadership. And a leader should be somebody who doesn't lead, but who serves. And yet he has to be a strong person. He has to listen. He has to be willing to take into um, consideration any kind of suggestion that people offer and still maintain his own goals. So that if people offer goofy ideas, he, he doesn't let himself get sidetracked. He still keeps on that. But he has to realize that he's there to develop a team. So good leadership doesn't have to be charismatic in the sense of Joan of Arc with a flaming sword. It has to be somebody who is willing to serve other people. So Swamiji, you structured the community leadership in such a way that there was a spiritual director and a general manager. That was right, because the spiritual director, I, I didn't want the spiritual leader to get involved in day-to-day -day running of things. I wanted him always to be able to place, there were two rules that I held paramount. One was that people are more important than things. Things includes rules, principles, all sorts of things. But the welfare of the individual is the most important. For example, we had an old man, Hanel Cassidy, who used to drink wine with his meals. Well, we had a strict rule, no alcohol. But I saw that he knew how to handle alcohol, and I said nothing. I didn't even... Uh, even click my tongue at him. I just didn't say anything. It didn't seem to matter. And uh, so in, in uh, that rule, if the spiritual director is also managing everything, he may be tempted to cut corners because he wants this project finished. The spiritual director is there to insist that, no, this principle comes ahead of even finishing the project. And sometimes we have allowed a project to die. The other principle that we have is yatadharma-stathajaya. That's the Sanskrit saying which means where there is right action, there is victory. And in victory I would include fulfillment, success of all kinds. So I know there was a man who came to me many years ago in 1969 and said, I've inherited a certain amount of money I want your advice. Shall I give the money to Ananda and join Ananda, or shall I go to India? I asked him how much it was. He said $200,000. That would have been enough for us to uh, do everything we wanted to do at that time. I told him go to India, because I felt that if he had really wanted to join Ananda, he wouldn't have given me that alternative. So I put, that, I put his needs ahead of our own needs. 
and I put yata dharma, I put the dharma of the thing I wasn't even tempted. The, I figured that even if I have to work myself to the bone, my fingers to the bone, I will still do what has to be done in the right way. I have made that my principle, and I have stuck to it. When he had a forest fire, I would not sue, although the fire was caused by a faulty spark arrestor on a county vehicle. I would not sue the county. But this is the separation between the uh, spiritual director and the manager who may, being closely involved, sometimes be tempted to follow even against the higher principle. Swamiji, where did you learn or how did you arrive at people are more important than things? I came from inside myself. I think I've been a king before and I've learned those lessons.